Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Welcome to church, everybody. Are you guys excited to be here? Excited? Excited? Perfect. So today we have a different service, and I'm very excited because it's a very different service. Um, I believe that collective wisdom is always better than individual knowledge. So today we decided that we're going to have a panel preaching. So on the panel, we are going to have our pastors, Jason and Susan Render, as they make their way to the stage. <laughs> and... As well, we're going to have people that recently just got married. I think you guys got married six weeks ago. Correct? Perfect. So we're going to have Matthew and Shanice Chetty join us on the stage. So, oops, my phone. I'm going to sit down. Perfect. So this is great because I believe that, um, you know, we can share textbook answers, but when we get to learn from real-life experiences, I think that's where real transformation comes from. So today, we're going to learn from their own personal experiences, and I believe that we're going to draw so much value from that. And our scripture reading is going to... We, we've, been, we've been in a very interesting and um, sermon series called Sermon on the Mount. Have you guys been enjoying Sermon on the Mount? And uh, the amazing Tammy preached this morning. If you missed that message, it's going to be available on YouTube. I hope so. It is perfect. So I must say, I must say that the next time that we do this, we're going to have six people on stage. Hopefully, the sixth person will be next to me. <laughs> <laughs> I am praying. Uh, I'm speaking prophetically, so I hope I hope that yes, faith. I'm, I hope that the next time that we do this, I'm going to have a next person. Yeah, so perfect. I just I just want to point out quickly that so I studied in Australia many years ago. I went to Bible college there, and and I got the impression from them at the time that faith without hints is dead. The Bible says faith without works is dead, but 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 I kind of got the impression that faith without hints is dead. So if you yet tonight and you're single. Tyrone is ready to, to date, it would appear. So, faith without hints. Yes, uh, dear future wife, if you are listening to this, this is my sales pitch to you. If I you am come here, from money. I am ready. As long as she comes from money, right? No. <laughs> you can work on love later on. Right? We can work on that later on. Oh, you want to hear the pitch? Okay. Dear future wife, if you are watching, if you are listening to this, if you are in this building, I hope so, uh, if you are in this building, Please know that I am ready for you. I am, I, am, I am more than ready. I've been waiting for 20 something years. I'm not gonna sell my age here. I, I, I've been waiting for you and I'm just ready. This, I, mean, so I, mean, I, mean, I mean, look Tyrone? at me. Come, let's make some cute babies. <laughs> After marriage. <laughs> so if you've been waiting for 20 something years, how old were you when you started looking for your wife? You see, you see, by the time I was born, I was already ready for her. That's a little bit scary and illegal, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so perfect, perfect. I'm going to go back to the scripture reading. I think we're going to read from uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse uh, 31 to 32. It says, it talks about divorce and marriage. So it says that it, it was also, and I'm going to be reading from the ESV. Um, to make Erwin happy. Um, it was also said that whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. 
But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a, a divorced woman commits adultery. So I, I guess just by reading this scripture, you're thinking, I probably came to the wrong service. You are in the right service. This is the best service for you. But what I'm going to do is I'm just going to ask uh, our pastor, Jason Render, to unpack this a bit, emphasis on a bit. <laughs> I'm going to ask Jason to, to unpack this a bit. Over to you. <laughs> so for those of you that uh, have not been with us the last few weeks, we're in a, ser- in a section of the series on the Sermon on the Mount where we are unpacking the six examples that Jesus has given after he challenged his hearers to have their righteousness different to that of the Pharisees. So the Pharisees looked the part, right? So they were ticking all the right boxes. Um, And then he goes into six examples to show us how our righteousness, so our faith and our obedience, can actually be different to just religiously ticking the box. Now, we don't have time to go into some of the, there are some serious complexities in this passage. The one point, though, that I want to emphasize is that we, we live in a radically different culture to 2,000 years ago. Um, and so Jesus was actually heightening the value of women and the value of marriage. Um, at the time, men were able to treat women like property. They were able to just, like quite literally, if they were offended with them for, for not cooking well or they didn't like them or, or they cheesed them off the day, they could just kick them out of the house. But the problem was to do that was, was almost like a death sentence to the woman. And something like up to five years later, he could just claim her back like his property. So then Moses instituted this thing of where you actually give a, a certificate of divorce. So even that was very low, but it was still valuing. It was still high, heightening the value of the woman. And that's what Jesus was referring to where he was saying like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You, you think you can just issue a certificate of divorce as though that's enough? And he, and he actually set the bar much higher now without getting into the intricacies of of what defines you know grounds for divorce i don't actually think that that was the weight of this particular section i don't think that jesus and and so i think a lot of misunderstanding and even damage has been done through trying to build a whole doctrine on a single verse and i do think we can miss the point and and the point in each of these various examples that we're busy looking at over these few weeks is getting to the heart and it's ultimately about human dignity and it's about a, 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 a heart that is loving God and loving people. So in this case, I think Jesus, the weight of that statement shouldn't be on what gives you permission for divorce. I think the weight of what Jesus was actually emphasizing was on doing everything you can to, to invest in the marriage, to, to value one another, even when you don't like it, even to, to keep investing, to keep valuing. Do everything you can. Fight for the marriage. Some of you have heard the statement before that, that going to gym is hard, not exercising and eating badly is hard. Choose your heart. Divorce is hard. Marriage is hard. Choose your heart. And I think Jesus was saying, like, value marriage. Let's do everything we can as we prepare for it. And, and that's why I think this is such an important topic, actually, for people that are single, because I think our approach to marriage in advance, our value for marriage. So to give an example, if I don't value God's plan for sex before I'm married, why am I going to value God's plan for sex after I'm married? Right? So, so, so if, I don't, if, I don't think, if I don't think that God actually knows best and I want to try and, and trust Him, and if I fail at that, I'm, I'm quick to repent and to try again. If I don't value people before I'm married, why am I going to value someone who they are going to be days where they're going to cheese you off? I mean, not Sue, of course, but other people. How do, you, how do you learn to forgive and value and persevere with no matter what? So I, I think that the weight of that statement, what Jesus was getting at from a hard point of view is marriage, commitment, doing everything you can, not just to endure, but to actually, you know, make it a blessing and enjoy something life-giving. I, I love what you just said, especially explaining about investing in the relationship and not just uh, getting a, a, a pass to just get divorced. Uh, Matt and Shinis, you guys are probably in a stage in your marriage, early marriage, uh, where you're having to in- invest a lot in your marriage. Um, I think what word best describes the season that you're in? Um, I think the word that best describes our current season would probably be growth. I think every week and every day we're faced with a different challenge, not in a bad way, actually in a very good way. 
but it's like I went from seeing her once or twice, three times a week to she's the first and last person I see, you know, in, in the day. And it's really cool because then we get to know each other. I get to know more and more about her every day as well as know more and more about adulting because we both moved from our parents' houses into our own house together. So it's been, it's been quite a journey. So I'd say definitely say growth is the main word that this has been our last month and a half. Yeah. Great. Uh, and for you, Shanice? <laughs> if I was going to go into this, I would take forever to explain. So he wow. did well. So. No, perfect, perfect. And 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 I was reading the other day, and this scripture really, like, really, really transformed my perspective on the scripture because I, I had people talking about it. Uh, you know, the scripture that say, "He who finds a wife finds a good thing." Yeah, that's why I'm still single. But anyway, um, <laughs> he who finds a wife finds a good thing. And I got and I started thinking and thinking. Why the Bible actually said he who finds a wife and it doesn't say he who finds a girlfriend. And I got, I was really thinking about it. So she is a wife before I find her. My own thinking. But anyway, um, I want to ask Jason, um, what was the deal breaker for you and what is the deal maker for you? I just want to comment quickly on your comment about the, the dating first. Dating as we know it is extremely recent and modern. For the vast majority of human history, we've never gone about getting to know one another. And, and, and in fact, it never used to be an individual thing. It used to be a family thing and it was cultural. And yeah, it, it, it changed completely to where it became something where you can maneuver and create facades and try and win someone. Anyway, that's, that's, that's maybe worth a whole nother conversation. But for me, in terms of a deal breaker. This might sound like such a cliche because because we're pastors, but but <clears throat> without a doubt for me, the single greatest deal breaker would have been Sue's um, not just her love for God, but the priority of God in her life. And and when I say that, um, I I knew and look, we were, we were very young when we got married as well. But 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 I knew already that there were going to be things that we were going to face. I had no idea what we were going to face, and we faced many more things than we could have imagined. But I knew that if it was going to be about Sue's opinion or my opinion, we were going to be in trouble. Um, if we couldn't come back to, okay, but what does God say about that? Yeah. So, so for example, I could be manipulative or, or overbearing. And just because I might have been able to win a fight or an argument or disagreement and got my will didn't mean it was the right way. And so it, it, it sincerely mattered to me um, that, that Sue wanted to please God, even if we got it wrong a lot of the time. But, but underneath it all, did I, want to, did I want to please God? Did Sue want to please God? And I've seen grown men, um, women too, but I've seen grown men literally crying because of the, because of the, the pain of, um, of, of not being united in that sense in their marriage, where, where, where one person is, is trying to pursue God. I, I would say a second deal breaker for me, which again, I was very young, but I, I just think it was maybe a God sense at the time. I remember still saying to Sue, I mean, we were 22 when we were dating. I said to her, I, I don't feel like it's a choice being in the ministry. So, so I'm talking about purpose. I feel like this is what God wants. And if I don't do it, I feel like I'll be disobedient. And so I, and so I said to her, I don't want to be married to someone who's willing to be married to someone in the ministry. I actually want to be married to someone who wants to be married to someone in the ministry. And, and I think the application for, for other people would simply be, are you actually, like, would this person actually help you serve God's purposes better? Will you help that person serve God's purposes better? Because if not, there's, there is no relationship. Guys, I, I cannot emphasize this strong enough. There is, there is not a single relationship that's going to affect your destiny more than, than you, and no relationship should affect you, by the way, no relationship should affect your destiny more than your marriage. So, yeah, I'd say those are two pretty big deals for me. Wow. And you, you've been married for 20 years, 21 this year? November will be 22. 22. Wow. Wow. Can we just clap for that? It's, yeah, 20, 22 years. This is, this is, this is amazing. I'm, I'm going to come to you, um, probably my favorite person on the panel. Um, <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> okay, so, 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 my question for you is, how did your upbringing uh, affect the way that you loved and received love? Um, so, yeah, that's a very good question, Tyrone, because yeah. our upbringing and the family that we come from affects your, the start to your marriage in a big, big way. 
So um, last week, for those of you that were here, you heard a lot of, of, my, of my story from a young age. So that obviously shaped um, my life. And my upbringing was one of, um, I never met my real father, so I never saw what it was to have uh, a man and a woman together in a marriage and be part of a family in that way. Um, and so my upbringing was one where um, my mom could do everything. So I learned to be a very strong, independent woman. And when she got remarried, um, she couldn't let go of that strong, independent woman. So um, that caused a lot of, I would say, difficulty in, in, in their marriage. And so I continued to, to, to strive to be strong and independent. And because my mom had experienced so much hurt in marriage, um, and she passed away when I was 17, and just before she, she died, she actually wanted to, to divorce my stepfather. So once again, um, I just continually had this idea of, well, men are actually just in the way. You know, it's, it's, it doesn't work. Um, you can just be a strong, independent woman and get on with things. So when my life changed, when I gave my heart to, to, to God, and it was a radical transformation where... Um, Within, within a 12 months, God completely changed me, and, and, and I will never, ever look back or want to go back. Um, but what was really difficult for me in meeting Jason and realizing that now we have to make this work is I wanted to be a strong, independent woman. And so when he wanted to give me input, advice, help me um, do things his way, I found that really difficult because um, I don't need a man to tell me what to do or how to go about it. You know, that was like kind of my attitude. I wanted to be married. I wanted to be with Jason, but I, I didn't know how to take my upbringing and bring that into a godly marriage. I, you know, we, we had to work at that. And then I've got Jason who I'm marrying, a family that is, you know, still married, um, the, you know, they, they, they had their problems, and he had a whole different set of ways that he was brought up. Um, so that was definitely, am, am I answering the question? You are. You okay. Are. Yeah. You are. you are. Okay, so which one? <laughs> okay. So um, I just want to say that I think what made the difference for us was it didn't happen the first year, it didn't happen the second year, okay? We, it was a lot of um, tears a lot of conversations, but I think what made the difference for us was sitting down and talking and communicating and saying, okay, you know what? This is how you understand family. This is how I understand family. This is how you understand love. We, we read things like um, the five love languages. We spoke about what we understood, what we wanted from each other. Not all in one day. This happens over time but you've got to have grace towards each other the whole time because you're going to fail, you're going to react in a way you didn't want to react, you're going to hurt each other. But I think the fact that we both wanted to sit down, and I can't remember when it was, if it was maybe when we first had our, our, our first child, where we, we realized that we can't keep wanting to recreate the family that we had. We have to make our own family we have to start our own, like, what do we want Christmas to look like as our family? What do we want our family to look like as far as our children? So I, so I had to stop wanting to bring in what I had been exposed to and what Jason had been exposed to and say, okay, what do we want? Now, it's not that you can't learn from your family of origin. It's that you need to take the best things and try and work it out together and, and now, okay, like, what do we want? And how do we want to, to live this out? Wow, this is so good. This is so good. Uh, I, I want to ask you, like, all of these issues, all of these struggles that you had, did you have people that you could speak to, people that could help you um, in, in terms of just, like, when you had your coming to Jesus moment, um, you know, realizing that you had stuff that you needed to deal with, did you have people that you spoke to, you know, something like that? Yeah. So, again, that's a very good question because people assume that, um, you know, 22 years down the line, I must have had a lot of help or I must have opened up a lot, but I didn't. And I think that's also contributed to it maybe taking longer than what it could have taken. 
Um, because I was that strong, independent woman, I didn't need someone to tell me, you know, how it, w- it was going to be. Would I say that's one of my regrets? Yes. I wish that I'd found, um, not, not, not that I'd found, there were older couples in our church. There was Graham and Jenny, our senior pastor, that we did speak to occasionally. There were other people, but I was too proud to, to and, and other people don't need to know what we are going through or that I'm struggling or that I daydream about getting a car, driving to Joburg and never turning back and leaving my cell phone in Cape Town. Anyone relate who's married? Like, just, like... And that was just Friday, by the way. You know, like, where you just think, well, you know what? I'm going to make him suffer. He's going to worry about where I am. Like, for a whole week, I want him to suffer. And I want him to really, like, get the police, the search party out. And I'm going to let him know how he hurt me, you know? But as, you know, I can, I can feel sorry for myself in a big way. Um... But as time went on, and, I, and, and, and I've realized that um, I need people that I can speak to. I need to bounce things off other people. I need to be able to say to somebody that's my age and somebody that's older than me, what do you do? How do you, like, what do you think in this situation? Um, and so there's been the good, the bad, and the ugly. But all I can say is that approaching people from early on in your relationship to walk with you is something that I wish that I had done and opened up to from the, from the very beginning. Yeah. This is very good. This is very good. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to the side of the room. Uh, speaking about accountability, I'm going to ask Matt and Shanice, for you guys, what did accountability look like before and after marriage? Shanice. All right, so... Uh, okay, I'm just going to share my two cents, and then she'll give you the actual facts. Um, so, we, that's something I'm glad we got right. That was the biggest bit of advice that we ever received, was find a couple older than you and invest in them. And so, actually, the couple in front here, Dina and Charisse, they, I can conf- confidently say, and we discussed this in the car, we are only married today because of the influence they've had on us. It's not, it's, it, really, it really has. Like, so, Shanice, context, Shanice and I have been friends since early primary school, dated end of high school for four years, and now we're married. So we know how to push each other's buttons and upset each other. And there, there, were time, there was one time specifically, but at times when I thought, she's going to leave me. <laughs> like, it's, it's over now. It's done. And I, and I remember we came to them on more than one occasion. We were like, we don't know how to do this. And they laughed. They were like, this is normal. Like, what she's going through is such a normal thing, and it gave us so much peace. And even just a genuine friendship, more than the advice and wisdom, is honestly... I think can relate a lot to us staying together right now and being as strong as we are. Um. Come on, Shanice, we want to hear from you. Um, Okay, cool. I really hope I don't go off because I'll go off. Someone just, you know. Um, Okay, cool. So I think the biggest thing for me with the accountability partner is I was also very prideful about my things. I'm a very private person. So I'm not someone who will openly just share all my things. You literally have to dig. And so the idea of an accountability partner or couple really scared me. Um, I, I spent time with them, and they were like, speaking tongues together, praying. I'm like, do you know who I am? <laughs> no. Um, but then what they did for us was what, when we came to them with like really normal nonsense, and we were like, this is the worst thing in the world. We're going to break up. They were like, calm down. Calm down. We've been through it. It's that fresh perspective of you're not alone, and that nothing you say right now is new. Like, we've spoken to Pastor Jason and Sue, and they're like, nothing you say to us is new. So just knowing that you could go to someone with absolutely anything, personal or relationally, um, really impacted how we went, how we treated other people as well. Because then we also found, oh, we can be vulnerable with them. That means that other people can be vulnerable with us, and we could be all vulnerable together. And it was just a, it was a beautiful realization. So I just feel like the accountability partner was really much needed, especially in the beginning of the relationship, because if you get it in the beginning, then you won't be struggling with it when you do mess up or when you feel stuck. Wow, this is very good. One more thing, and if it does help, um, Jason's my boss, but I think I go to him weekly 
with, <laughs> with this stuff. I'm like, Jason, uh, one second. I know you're busy with like a conference call with national leadership, <laughs> but one second. This happened, and she's being difficult, what I do? And Jason's like, no, she's not, you are. And I'm like, you're right, you're right. <laughs> Genuinely, okay. Wow, this is, this is very good. Um, Sherry's I get, are you sure about you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Roasted. <laughs> Yeah, so, 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 Dino and Sherry's, Dino and Sherry's, um, I'm going to come to you guys because uh, I feel like you're, you're this cool young couple that, um, you cool young couple, young, fairly young, okay, like a bit older, yeah, I, I feel like you're this cool couple, not young couple, I feel like you're this cool couple that um, most people are very comfortable speaking to, but I want to ask you guys, um, how do I find, since I'm going to be in a relationship soon, um, how do I find an accountability couple, accountability partner, and what's, what's, what's their role? What's their role? Yeah. Uh, Dino. This should be on. There we go. Can I take my mask off? Um, what was the question again? No, joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. You see what I mean. I'm joking, I'm joking. Um, We actually had a, 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 uh, went through quite a few accountability partners. I think we just drove them mad or like, oh, like, oh, we just spoke nonsense to them. So yeah, super important to get accountability partner. We, uh, to find accountability partner, you want to find someone that's not going to like really dig into you when you like mess up. So someone that's really willing to like walk with you and not, what's the word, condemn? Yeah, not to condemn you. So like, hey, it's cool, like you guys said. Like, it's not new and like, it's not the worst thing in the world. I want to try and not like dumb it down, but like, hey, I can relate to that. So older couple would, would be better. Um, yeah, just someone that you can trust and also have, like, have a bri with. You don't want to just only, you also don't only want to talk about that stuff the whole time. You want to be able to relate to someone. So you want to have a bri with them. And while you're having the bri, you can talk about relationship stuff. It's not only about that. You don't want to only come with your problems. You want to be able to relate and talk to the person or couple. Yeah, so, so that's how you find an accountability partner, I'd say, or couple, um, people that you can trust, people that you feel comfortable with. Um, it's not like that new friend at work that like just stepped out the door and you don't know anything about them and you don't know if your everything your life story is going to go on Facebook the next day. It's not that person. It's someone that you've walked a road with already and that you you do trust. Um, someone that you're comfortable with, that you can confide in, that you're not going to feel judged by. And everyone messes up. So so you know it's someone that reminds you that you're human. Like I say, just someone you're really comfortable with. And I'd say being accountable to someone just means. Um, being open with them, you know, sharing life with them, being honest with them. You don't want to say, I've got this accountability um, couple, and, you know, we check in with them weekly. Like, that's great to say, but you want to share your heart, and if you're struggling with something, you want to go to them, you know. You, wanna, you want someone who will share your burden with you, and who will pray with you, and who will walk with you. Yeah. Wow, this is so good. This is gold right here. Thank you very much, Deanna Shiris. Um Listen, I, I'm going to come to you for this, um, and I feel like you're probably going to share a lot of value here um, based on conversations we've had. Um, what are some of the things that you regret doing in your marriage that have caused problems? <laughs> I'm hoping I can remember what I said to you. Um, <clears throat> but I know, look, some of them were, I think, part of what Sue touched on earlier in terms of our differences and and as much as you know that different people you know get married that you are different and as much as you know opposites attract and as much as you know that that you've got to work through these things it's still difficult in the early days when you realize just how different you are and and Sue and I would handle conflict very differently we would communicate very differently Sue even commented on the five love languages um, I desperately wish that we'd read that book at the beginning of our marriage. Um, I think we read it, I think it only came out like five years after we got married and it was like light bulbs went on. Um, 
we, if you know anything about it, 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 it kind of looks at how you express and receive love and, and how you kind of, how your love, it, re- it refers to a love tank, which sounds a little bit kitschy, but, but like how your love tank is filled up and how your partner's love tank is filled up or depleted. And, and Sue and I realized that we, are, that we genuinely are completely different in how we express love and how we receive love. And so um, there were many days, for example, where I genuinely just took it by faith that Sue loves me because I didn't feel loved. Um, and it was only as we came to, to genuinely understand that, that I'm speaking French, Sue's speaking Japanese, and somewhere we need to find a translator. And so, for example, my, my love languages would have a lot more to do with affection and, and verbal affirmation. Sue would be more quality time and gifts or acts of service. Pretty much anything other than affection and, and verbal affirmation. And, and so, yeah, just, just coming to understand that helped us a lot. It gave us a lot of grace and it helped us to understand, okay, we're, we're missing each other. This isn't, this isn't bad or evil. Because to be honest with you, I would have thought, but if, you're, like, if you just love someone, you will express it. Well, no, as many of you know, you, you can think thoughts and not feel comfortable sharing it. Um, another part that, that I felt like God really spoke to me about was at the beginning of, of our relationship, there were insecurities that I had to work through. Sue, Sue shared a bit last night. Look, neither of us came into our relationship with the kinds of past that we would like to, to have. I felt like for me, there was more at, the, at that time to deal with. And... Um, and I felt like God had to really speak to me clearly because, again, I knew the theory about grace and forgiveness, but I, f- I can remember where I was when God clearly said to me, how dare you call unclean what I've called clean? And I just felt so rebuked of, so even if I had to still process anything, it was a me thing, it wasn't a Sue thing. Um, Sue, Sue, Sue had come into a relationship with God since then. Sue was, according to the Bible, a new person. She might as well have a new name, a, a different face. I'm trying to take her back to the past while I'm dealing with my insecurities. Um, and then just the way that we would communicate. You know, I, I, like Sue said, we came from very different families. In Sue's family, if, if, if they were unhappy with each other, they wouldn't talk for two or three months, like quite literally. And then one day it would just be okay. For me, I didn't want to go to sleep until, until we've addressed the issue. And, and, and on the one hand, that might sound quite noble, but I also came to realize that sometimes I was overwhelming Sue with, with expecting her to process everything quickly and at the same time, and, and that there was a balance to, to letting Sue drive off to Joburg for a couple of minutes, you know, and process and, and come back again. Um, yeah, so I don't know if I'm answering your question, Taryn, but those are some of the things that we had to learn big time in the early years. Yes, please. Um. So um, a regret that I have that I think caused problems was, now this is going to sound strange, but just hear me out for a moment, was caring too much about what other people thought. What other people thought about me, what other people thought about us, the impression that we were giving. Um, I, I just realized I put too much weight on what other people thought instead of what Jason thinks. And if somebody would give me a compliment or somebody would um, criticize me, I would give so much weight to that. And then when he would try and say what he thought, I would say, oh, well, it's just because you're married to me. And I wouldn't actually take his word as the final, well, if he thinks that, that's what's most important, you know? And so don't ever allow other people's opinion to override your spouse's opinion of you because they're the most important person. I'm talking now besides God. They're the most important person in your life. Wow. This is, this is so good. This is so good. On a, on a, on a lighter note, on a lighter note, I, I really want to find out, I know, I want to find out what pickup line Jason used <laughs> when he approached you. Because to give you a bit of context, Jason, you're already a pastor, right? You're already in ministry. So you basically church-stalked um, a girl who came to church <laughs> for the first time and got married six months later. So, yeah, I need a bit of context. What did he say? I had no game. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I never had the confidence of Tyrone to say, I'm, I'm like ready, I'm looking. Um, so, no, if I, what? <laughs> <laughs> just be 
He would ask me, he would ask me, um, do you want to go, like after youth on a Friday night, because he was the children's pastor at the time, um, do you want to go and hang, get something to eat at the deli down at the beachfront and we go and sit at the beachfront, but we're just friends. Um, or um, after, church, after church on a Sunday night, do you want to go with me and this other girl to go and watch a movie together? Um, or um, like phone me at work, I was in the travel industry at the time, phone me at work um, uh, to ask me a question. Then he'd say, oh, um, are you doing anything tonight? Do you want to come to my parents' house for supper? That was sure. his pickup line. Sure. So, so, so in all honesty... I had no game, number one. Number two, number two, genuinely, I would have been very, very shy and, and cautious about, about like asking someone out. And number three, um, as far as possible, I wanted to like mitigate the risk factors. So I felt like if I could get to know Sue with a, in a low threat environment, so with, like, like when, you're in the, when you're in a church context, to like suddenly ask someone out and you go out, it's like awkward, you know, if that doesn't, if that doesn't work out. So, so you want to try and, and, and research as much as possible and discover whether or not there's, there's chemistry. And I've got to just point out, though, I've just got to point out that, that as much as I had no game, Sue gave off nothing, nothing. I mean, afterwards, I discovered that Sue had lots of feelings, and she noticed me long ago and all the rest. Sue, Sue gave me no... So it was by faith. There was a lot of faith. Ladies, play hard to get... Because if you're worth it, he will gun for you, okay? Don't make yourself cheap. You, you're worth Mr. gold. Mike, what does the Bible say? You're worth more than rubies, okay? But if you really want to know if there's chemistry, invite her down to the beach to fly a kite and let him stand behind you and show you how to... That's what he did. Don't you want to come fly okay. a kite with me? Okay, okay that worked. I, that worked. So then, then I knew. Okay. Okay, Mister, I have no game. Wow, wow. Yeah. So, so you mentioned something about hanging out in a low threat environment. I actually want to come to Matt and Shanice. How did you guys, um, like, what are some of the boundaries that you guys set for yourselves that uh, made your, your relationship to be healthy, happy, godly? All those nice things. Can't go with all those options at the back there, but I'll, I'll tell you what I know. Um, I think boundaries were, were a very big thing for me in the beginning because there's some, some information for free. My mother always told me and taught my sister and I to teach people how to treat you because no one's going to know. They're always going to get it wrong and you're always going to get your feelings hurt and then you're going to be like, why? And it's because you never told anybody. So it was very big for me to make sure that Matthew knew where he couldn't cross. So we, but it would always be because it would, and in the beginning of the relationship, you're naive and you're stupid and you don't communicate properly. So you'll hit a nerve and you'll be like, I forgive you now, but next time. And then it happens like on a loop. And then when you get to that point, I think that's when you realize, no, like I need to say something. Because if I don't say something, this person's gonna keep hitting the nerve and it's never gonna get resolved and this can't end good. Oh, well, this can't end any better. So I feel like when it came to situations like that with both of us, easier for me than him, just saying, um, communicating boundaries was so important. And if I didn't know how many times I could do this, and yeah, yeah, yeah um, then I think we wouldn't have gotten as far as we did. So I can never, I can never tell you how, how important boundaries are. I studied English. I'm just saying. I can't say how important boundaries are, especially for yourself. Even if you're not in a marriage or a relationship, just for yourself. Teaching people how to treat you is the most important thing you can do for your sanity and yourself and your spirituality and how happy you can be and all the ends. Um, but yeah, I think it's also very important for, yes, our marriage. Yeah, this is um, I think also practically, because I'm not someone who can make it how I feel, I'm someone who just feels, and I get upset, and then you must know why I'm upset. But, oh, I was, I was, I've grown somewhat. Um, something that I, we started doing is that if I can't tell her why I'm upset, I will just say, 
So <laughs> our, our like, key word is bad juju. So for example, she'll crack a joke or something. And all in the beginning, I was a lot more sensitive than I am now. And it would hurt my feelings. And I'd be like, that's bad juju, don't do that. Kind of thing. Not like to say like, not like in like a reprimanding kind of way, but just like a, that upset me. So she doesn't wonder why I'm miffed the rest of the evening when she was just trying to have fun with me. Um, another thing with regards to boundaries, keeping it healthy in a Christian context, is that we would have, <laughs> we would have like a curfew when we hang out in the evening, especially because when we first started dating, um, I was working for the church and uh, we, I would work a full day and then go to her in the evening when I was tired and I was stressed. If you were at the, the, the last um, session, you understand where this is going. And so we actually would set an alarm with a worship song at 10 o'clock. And so regardless of what's happening, <laughs> glorious day would just start <laughs> blasting from someone's phone. And no matter what mood you were feeling, it was dead. <laughs> you, you went to go have a quiet time. Like, <laughs> it was wild. <laughs> wow. Wow. Thank you very much, guys, for sharing that. That's very helpful. And um, my, my last question that I'm going to, I'm going to ask Sue this question. I feel it's like... All right. do, do you mind if I just quickly make one more comment before you ask Sue the last question? Yes. Just, just listening to what um, Matt and Shanice... It doesn't help that they're Shanice and Sharice, but anyway, that Matt and Shanice are saying... Um, just, just like I mentioned about the five love languages earlier, I think anything that you can do to understand your own personality better and your partner's personality better, it just equips you. So, so for example, I know that Matt, and I think Shanice did as well, something called the Enneagram personality assessment. Tyrone landed doing, we, we did it with all the staff. There are various personality assessments, DISC, Myers-Briggs, etc. Even something like the five love languages just gives you insight into yourself. It doesn't necessarily excuse behavior, but it does explain behavior. And so even for Sue and I, so, so we did it, I don't know, two years ago, three years ago. There were parts of Sue's um, behavior that I understood for the first time after like close to 20 years. Um, and definitely things about myself that I understood and why we may be sensitive or misunderstand or, or, or misinterpret something. And so again, I just think, I just think do the work. Guys, seriously, I, I, if I can be very blunt for a moment, I think that, I think that marriage and relationships can, I think that there's a, there's a season where, where it's very exciting and there's a lot of effort and there's the chemistry and the romance and, 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 and all of that. But then it's one of the things in our lives that we can become the laziest about. And, I, and the more you get into your career and life and kids and all the rest, it's so easy to leave it on the back burner. And I'm just saying, do the work. You are going to get out of it what you put into it. Um, it's a biblical principle. And so, there, and so it takes time to talk to people or to read books or to get perspective, to, to do assessments. And again, not to make excuses, but to, but to better understand, even doing things like the, pre, the Alpha Pre-Marriage Course or if you're married, the Alpha Marriage Course, or doing the devotionals. Tammy, Tammy gave some great examples this morning of devotionals that couples can do together. Um, do the work. 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 You're not going to have a happy marriage because you're lucky or because God blesses you. God wants to bless every marriage. Yeah. You, you're going to have a healthy marriage if you do the things that build a healthy marriage. Sorry, Taran. Now your last question. Can I ask my question now? <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, no, thank you very Oops. Thank you very much. Um, I'm going to ask um, Sue the last question. The last question is, if you had to speak to your younger um, single self, what would you tell that younger single self that will prepare that person for marriage today? Okay, so if I had to, had had the chance to go back, which obviously is all fantasy, but I want to encourage you if you are young and single or even if you um, are single in the sense of not married, okay? So dating somebody still means that you're single in this context, okay? So just, so just, yeah. So if I, there's a few things. So when I gave my heart to Jesus and I then met Jason and realized that this is the person that I want to spend the rest of my life with, um, I had such a revelation and a sudden desire in my heart that I, I, I so wish that I had never, ever given myself to anyone else physically, number one, because I realized this is the person I want to spend the rest of my life with. I had so wished that Jason had been my first experience in everything. Um, 
I came from a broken home. I came from a family where even my grandmother told me, you try every car out there before you buy one, you know? So that was what I was encouraged to do, to try to be, um, you know, to, to um, not just settle, um, probably never get married is, 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 is what I kind of actually had decided in my mind. So if I could go back, I would say to, you know, Susan, which... I only started being called Sue when I got married. So I was always Susan. I'd say, Susan, keep yourself for the one who you want to spend the rest of your life with so that you never have memories and images that you're trying so desperately to get rid of, of other people who took something from you that you now wish you could only just give to Jason. That's what I would say to my younger self. Wow. Um, and I really mean that from the bottom of my heart. Wow. And um, Tammy shared something in the second service that I would really like her to share, that she shared with Riley. She, okay, if, if I can try, if I'm saying it wrong, Tammy, you can just correct me. But Tammy and Reese, um, their oldest child is uh, six years old, and they um, explained sex to Riley because it is something that the kids start talking about at school from a young age. Our daughter had sex education for the first time in uh, grade R, and the parents were allowed to sit in, and it was really, really good. It was done by a uh, Christian psychologist who unpacked it really well and used the proper terminology. And Tammy said that when they explained it to her, Riley said, sure. So that means I really, really must trust the person if I'm going to allow them to do that to me. And I thought, wow. That's profound. That a six-year-old would understand that if you're going to allow someone to do that to you, you really have to trust them. And you can really only trust someone in the context of a marriage where you are both committed to wanting to do it God's way. Does every marriage under the sun work out? No, it doesn't. And that is unfortunate. But when you are both in it, and you both want to do it God's way. I mean, today on the way home after church, we chatted about things that we want to be better at, that we want to improve, where we feel like we've let things go a bit. We, we, we preach on these things, but life gets in the way. Life gets busy. You, you start realizing you take things for granted. You take advantage um, of each other. What I'm trying to say is I would have looked back at my younger self and said, wait. You've got your entire marriage to have the most fun ever. Don't give it up until in the context of a godly marriage. Wow, this is so good. Well, on, on, on the very same note, if, if, if you have done um, what Sue did uh, in the early days that she regrets, uh, I don't want you to feel condemned that you have done that. Uh, I think we've been talking a lot about love on this platform, I, and I feel I just I just feel led to tell you that there is a person who loves you, and his name is Jesus. Um, I think I think in the book of Genesis we are told of this story of Adam when God told Adam that if you eat of this fruit, you will surely die. I think the death that's spoken about there is not physical death, but it's actually separation from God. And what happened at that when he when they ate the fruit? There was separation from God. And that separation left this gap. And this gap craves for satisfaction. And th this is why we keep on saying, if I make more money, I'm going to be happy. If I just satisfy myself sexually, I'm going to be happy. If I just do this, I'm going to be happy. But that gap can only be filled by Jesus. Jesus is the only, the only person that can fill that gap. And I, I, I just feel led to tell you that he, uh, you can trust him. You can know that you can trust him because uh, we know that he's a shepherd. He's a very good shepherd. And I think the Bible also says that, um, um, you know, if he has 100 sheep, right, and one goes astray, he leaves the 99 to come for the one that went astray. So I just feel like um, Jesus is here right now just giving, passing out an invitation to someone who's here. I don't know who, but just passing out an invitation to say, I don't know what you did. I don't know what you've done. I don't know where you're coming from. 
but I'm just giving out an invitation to say, it's time to come home. I just feel, I just, I just feel like he's just passing that invitation to someone now to say, it's, come, it's time to, can we stand? Um, this, is, this is the end of the service. Um, all heads bowed. If you're here, if you're here and you feel like you, you would like to accept this invitation that is being extended to you, this, this, this invitation to make, uh, to accept Jesus, I, I, I just want you to, to go to the connect area when we are done here. This is a personal decision that you have to make. It's not a decision that you are forced into. If you, see, if you feel like a word or something is speaking inside of you that is prompting you to make this decision, I want you to go to the connect area when we're done here. And there are going to be people that are going to be there, people that are going to love you, people that are going to speak to you. And we have a, a, a new course that we're doing for people that are making this decision called Following Jesus. It's a great resource that I would advise you to, to go through. But I'm just going to pray as we end the service. God, I just want to thank you for people that shared this message today. I just want to thank you for what happened today. I, I want to thank you for each and everything, each and every word of wisdom, a seed that was planted in the people. God, I just believe that you are doing something in our lives, that it was not just words that we are going to pass by because of the wind, but our words that are seeds that are actually planted, God. I pray that we not only become hearers of the word, but actually doers of the word, God. I pray that each and everything that we heard today, I just want to pray even for people that might feel condemned, that maybe you don't know what, where I'm coming from. You don't know what I did. You don't know any of that stuff. God, I just want to pray that you comfort their hearts, God. I just want to pray that you, 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 you help them, God, to realize that there is no greater love than the love that you showed for us, God. There is no greater love than the love that you, you, you are expressing to us, God. And I just want to tell you, God, that we love you. That we love you and we trust you, God. We trust you with our lives. We, we trust you with everything, God. Because you're God, God. I thank you. I thank you, God. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.